Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast featuring special guests talking about how they reveal God during the ordinary rhythm of their daily life. Presented by author and speaker Sharon Tedford. Today I have two guests with a real desire for people to have happy, healthy marriages. They know what it is to enjoy the journey of companionship even when it's difficult. Their skills have helped many rebuild relationships previously in ruins. My guests, professional counsellors Chris and Jamie Bailey. I'm really glad to have our very first couple here on God in the Ordinary. Welcome, Chris and Jamie. How are you both? Yeah, we're good. We're good. What an honor to be the first couple. That's right. <laughs> Isn't that what you call your president, the first couple? What do you call them? The first lady. The first, the first lady. man and yes. the first lady. That's who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're feeling privileged. <laughs> <laughs> so your story is quite interesting, and we're going to talk about that later. But where are you today? Because that can change from day to day. <laughs> Sure. We are in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Near the beach. So we're enjoying our our visit here. Not as quite as warm as we'd hope it to be on a beach day, but you know what? Mm -hmm. We'll take it what we can get. (laughs) Good. That's great. I'm sure it's very beautiful where you are. It's icy snow here in Texas. So we are all freezing cold because us Texans are not used to it being very, very, very cold. Even though, you know, I'm worried that my parents are listening and freaking out that I just said (laughs) us Texans. Oh, no. Shaming the family. (laughs) So I thought it was a Texan accent, but what do, what do I know? It's close. Not quite. Before we get lost in the world of Texas, I would love for you guys to share with us your reflection on Isaiah 61. As we do with every guest, we ask them to tell us about how Isaiah 61 influences their day-to-day life. So can you share with us yours, please? As Christian marriage counselors, Isaiah 61 is one that is near and dear to our hearts, and it's a foundational part of our ministry. Just as Christ Jesus was sent to bring good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to set those in captivity free, we too cherish the privilege of being co-laborers of His, while we seek to join Him on this mission. Our own stories were once filled with chains and captivity, broken hearts and mourning, and as His followers, we want to share the very freedom we have found through Him with all those He brings in our path. We live in a world filled with broken hearts and broken marriages, and we know that it is the hope of Christ that rebuilds and restores. He gives us such a beautiful exchange of our ashes and mourning for His beauty and gladness. It is our greatest longing for others to understand this great exchange, to know that they can come from a marriage or a life filled with ruins and devastation and have it rebuilt and restored into the beautiful union God designed it to be. We so much want others to know that hope is available, and that hope has a name, and it's Jesus. Their marriages can be made new, the old can be wiped away, and a double portion of all they've lost can be claimed. The days that were lost will be replaced with new days of rejoicing. He alone can take the tiny little seeds that we sow and grow them into generations of righteousness, of healing, and of hope. He has done that for us. He has taken our dysfunction, our pain, and our hopelessness, and has rebuilt our lives into something beyond anything we could have ever imagined. We are so grateful for His gift of salvation that He has clothed us in. And more than anything, we want others to know that just like Christ, we too are here with His Spirit within us to bring good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free.
Thanks so much for that great reflection, Chris and Jamie. It's really interesting to hear it from both of you. So let's start by asking, have you always been marriage counsellors? What led you to that line of work? We had a, a a heart for marriages, always had a heart for marriages. Jamie, and I'm going to speak for her. You can speak for yourself anytime you want. But <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> but she's always had a heart for helping people. I mean, she's even since being young, wanted to be mm-hmm. a counselor, a psychologist. And I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, it wasn't until after I got saved in late 20s, or my late 20s, not the late 20s, um, <laughs> that I... <laughs> That I really had a a strong desire. I saw marriages um, hurting in the church and as part of the body at the same rate as the world. And I just thought there was something inherently wrong with that. Yeah. And as for me, I started off not as a marriage counselor, but just as a general practitioner um, with counseling. And I would see individuals after individuals, and I would work with students, with, with youth, and they would come in. And what I realized so quickly through the years is that they all came from broken families. And so it, it was so evident that the root of so many problems people were having was because of a broken family. And so we knew that's when we started talking, he was experiencing the same things. And we started talking, we've got to get ahead of this. Mm-hmm. And how we decided to do that was to completely shift and start working with couples. Because we really believe if we can change a marriage, that's when you can change generations. That's when you can fix individual problems when you keep a marriage and a family intact. That's good. So trying to get ahead of the brokenness. Yeah. It felt a little like fighting fires with a squirt gun. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what it was like. That's a really interesting way to put it, fighting fires with a squirt gun. So not fun for any of you. You said a few times in your reflection the word brokenhearted. We hear that quite a lot in society, especially at the moment, after all of the lockdown and everything. But what does it actually look like? How can you diagnose that? Are there actual symptoms of brokenheartedness? Well, I think there's a lot. It can look different for a lot of people. Um, despair mm-hmm. is, is a big word. Hopelessness yeah. comes from a broken heart. Depression, anxiety. I throw in helplessness. Right. But I you think develop, that's going to feed into anxiety as well. Yes, you develop fears and, and stressors. And so really, there can be a multitude of symptoms that come from broken hearts. Well, and also I was thinking that people are more easily shaken, I think, when they're Hearts mm-hmm. are breaking or have been broken, and they're very protective of wanting fragile. to. Yeah, they're they're very fragile. They're in fragile mm-hmm. states. Very protective of wanting to keep their from being more pain, and so they become very hyper vigilant to anything that could cause them further pain. Yeah. So sometimes people with broken hearts live with walls. They have self protective walls and barriers around them. So, is there any hope for people who have those kind of walls, who have fragile, broken heart? Oh yeah, that's the thing. There's always hope. If you look in the right places, unfortunately, I think a lot of people either don't know where to look. Even those who are in the body, they really still don't know where to look. They just kind of hope that things will just get better over time Mm -hmm. without actually having to do things. Um, Or they'll do the wrong things. They'll seek out distractions of the world, anywhere from alcohol or or escapism. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of that they'll turn to instead to numb out the pain until things get better somehow. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. I think we're so quick to get Mm self-reliant and fix the problem ourselves. And we use these faulty things that perhaps we learned at a very young age to keep others happy. Let me become a people pleaser. You know, let me withdraw away from people. I just won't have any friends. I just won't be in a relationship. Whatever method we choose and we cling to that, where the real hope for overcoming that broken heart is going to always be found in surrender. It's going to be found Mm -hmm. in surrendering to loved ones around you 
and trusting them to not continue to break your heart, but it's also going to be found in surrendering to Jesus and trusting that he loves you more than anything and he wants what's best for you and that he knows how to get you to that healed place. And so healing from a broken heart, and here's what makes it challenging, is 100% of the time it requires vulnerability. Mm, mm -hmm. And that's the last thing someone with a broken heart wants to do because that feels like weakness. But becoming vulnerable is actually one of the strongest things you can do. And that's what's required. And that's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to a trust me. Let me comfort you. Let me guide you. Let me heal you. And that's pretty scary for somebody who's been hurt so badly. Mm-hmm. I was talking with the husband the other day and giving him some verses, you know, like First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you know, love is patient, love is kind, you know, just as ideas or models of things to do, to act out. And even though he's been in the faith for a long time, and, and I guess, you know, God believers versus God followers, and, you know, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a whole rabbit trail we can get down, but not really actually following what God is asking us to do, even mm-hmm. the simplest things, you know, and, and loving each other in those kind of simple ways. Yeah, it all requires vulnerability, and it's hard. How do you move from being fragile to being vulnerable? Are there any practical steps that you could give someone who's listening right now saying, I feel really fragile, but I know I need to be vulnerable to find healing. What's the first step? Be honest. Would you say that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I beat Jamie to the mic. Uh, but I would say the first step in, in being a, a people-pleasing type of, of person myself um, where I would withhold some of what was going on or how I was feeling, not to stir up things or, or create waves, but to actually be honest and, and ask for my needs, saying, hey, look, I'm struggling with this, or mm-hmm. or I need this, or when I'm I'm afraid to share certain things because I don't know how it's going to be taken. Yeah, or if I share this, I'll be rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's hard. And so you have to learn, step one is be honest with people and let let them know you're hurting. Let them know you have a broken heart and invite others in. And I would also say one of the things you have to do is kind of shift your mindset and be willing to do hard things. Mm-hmm. To be able to embrace this process is scary, this feels vulnerable, and it's going to be difficult, and get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. A lot of those those couples already are doing a lot of hard things as far as the arguments or the dis- living brokenhearted is hard. Yeah, that's hard. Being disconnected from each other is hard. I mean, you know, this so so we're just asking them to do something that's a different type of hard that has purpose. Right, right. That's really helpful thought, doing a different type of hard, but this one has purpose. So without giving names, can you share a couple of stories of those who have lived a different kind of hard and where they've seen what was ruined and devastated, now rebuilt and restored? What did they do to renew what was damaged? Okay, well, I can think of one couple. This was, you know, several years, and they came in to us for the issue of adultery. And it was on the wife's part. And it had happened a couple of times, and it didn't take long. And the presenting problem was obviously adultery, but we know that that's rarely the real problem. And so helping couples get to the root of what's going on, in this situation, it was a highly anxious, controlling husband who felt anxiety and unworthiness all the time and just struggled. And he felt, in order to be safe, I need to be in control. And in turn, we had a wife who never felt loved. 
you know, passed family to family and, and just raised, you know, in a home where she had to protect herself and never received the love and nurturing she, she deserved. And so she was longing to belong mm-hmm. and longing to be loved. And she was looking in all the wrong places. And with this couple, of course, we want to deal with the steps of adultery, which we did, but we want to take it beyond that and to get them as individuals to understand what they were each bringing to the table. To know that if we're going to fix this adultery, if we're going to prevent this from happening again, this woman needs to do the work and understand how fiercely loved by Jesus she is. She needs to know her value that she has and the worthiness that she has, that she is loved, that she is significant in Christ. And when she started pouring in to do all that work, that completely changed her. He needed to learn that his anxiety was not going to be quelched in controlling, but it was going to be found in trusting Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when they individually started working on themselves and having understanding and compassion for one another, they started coming back to church. And not only did they change their own lives with Jesus and begin to follow him, they led their family. Three of their children became believers through this couple recognizing their individual responsibilities and knowing that I have something that I'm missing that only Jesus can provide instead of constantly looking to another man, to my spouse, to the world. And when they did that, that's what brings your family, that's what brings your marriage, and that's what brings your own broken heart into healing. As part of that, couples, you know, you do your own individual work, but you can also be a, a great help to your spouse. So it's not just mm-hmm. two people running off doing their own things, but it's you both have a shared goal. You have a shared desire not only to do what you need to do, but also to help the other person in the ways that they need help to get where they're trying to get to as well. So, you know, I'll tell a lot of husbands because frankly, a lot of husbands will feel hesitant or I don't want to say afraid to do certain things, but I'll say it. You can say I, it. I just said, I just said it. <laughs> they'll be, they'll be afraid to step into things, but I reassure them that, look, you can kind of be the hero in this situation. Mm-hmm. You can step in and provide support that's not there or that's needed and help that situation turn around. Yeah, that's one of the things we teach every couple that that comes to see us is that next to Jesus, they are their spouse's biggest resource. And so many couples are pinned against one another Mm -hmm. and flipping that mentality and going, no, how can you be there for your spouse? Because you don't recognize how much they need one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you saying that we are individually significant to Jesus, but we are individuals together within a marriage. Yes. Yes. The two becoming one. Two complete people become one. Mm -hmm. That's the mystery. If it's just two halves of people becoming one, well, there's no mystery. There's no God thing about that. We do not complete one another. No. (laughs) We do not complete one another. And that is such a false belief. And that's Mm -hmm. damaging. Because when us mere mortals fail, when we will... Mm-hmm. Then it leaves the other person, you know, feeling empty, feeling betrayed, mm-hmm. right? There's lots of stuff that can turn around. You're listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guests, Chris and Jamie Bailey. I know that not all your clients are believers. How do you reveal God to those who are not believers without actually, you know, shoving it down their throats, so to speak? 
the answer or the short answer to that is we don't have to put in reference. I mean, you know, people who aren't believers probably don't know who James is, um, James, mm-hmm. the, the brother of Jesus. And so saying, you know, James 1.19 says this doesn't really have a lot of meaning to him, but still teaching the principles of something like, you know, if you're quick to listen mm-hmm. and slow to speak, then we tend to be slower to anger. Mm-hmm. Because all truth is God's truth. And so we, 100% of the time, are sharing who Jesus is, and we are sharing the truth of Jesus. Now, we have to respect that they don't believe in it, and it's not our job necessarily to share the full-on gospel with them, but we 100% of the time share the truth of Jesus they just don't get the scripture reference. And so many times, because we pray for all the couples that we see, and whether they know it or not, we've just unleashed the power of God's word into their marriage. And we trust, we tag the Lord in on that. It's like, okay, pick that up and let them see that, start connecting the dots. So we will, all truth is God's truth, Mm -hmm. whether we give it a scriptural reference or not. That's powerful. We can all live with that from a day to day. We can all take that truth, that all truth is God's truth, into every conversation that we all have, regardless of whether we're counselors or parents or we work in a bank. We can tell the truth of Jesus without actually having to give the scripture reference. That's a really good and helpful tip for all of us. So would you tell us, please, how do you intentionally reveal God to each other in your marriage? Because we all need tips on that. <laughs> One of the ways, I, I don't know, I, I I almost feel like I'm bragging, I don't know, or, or self-promoting, promoting. but I know when we moved into our house, when we had the house, it was a two-story, and as something as simple as when we moved in there, knowing um, that Jamie's, you know, physical, you know, she had ankle issues, I made the decision that, you know what, anytime there's something needed upstairs and we're downstairs, I'll go get it. Mm-hmm. Or anytime something's downstairs, we're upstairs, I'll go get it. There's no question. There's no worry for you to feel guilty or anything like that. It's just something I've decided ahead of time. So that way, if it's ever brought up, I've already made that decision. Mm-hmm. So here's a way I'm going to serve you. Here's a way I'm going to, you know, in all humility, consider others more than myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of something I think we both bring to our marriage is we try to live a very servant-hearted, sacrificial marriage. First mm-hmm. Peter 4, 7, you know, Scripture says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That's like fervently and excitedly or enthusiastically, you know, and why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. And so when we enter our marriage and we focus on just truly loving one another, and like you said, you know, loving me more than you love yourself. That just works out. Those things work out. And then when Chris does mess something up, because I'm so focused on loving him, it just covers up that error. And there's so much less I get frustrated with because of that amount of love I have for him. Mm-hmm. Jamie does love me very well. And you know, we'll just be sitting and she'll just turn and she'll just tell me about her love and, and tell me how much she appreciates me and just reminds me that she's always going to be mm-hmm. there. And she'll never forsake or leave me as much as, you know, Jesus reminds us that as well. Yeah, so we do. We use a lot of words and a lot of affirmations. And one of the things that it's not simple to execute, but it is simple (laughs) for me. Yes, it's straightforward. (laughs) You know, I always think of the fruit of the Spirit and just individually focusing on them in myself. And I always want to be growing in love, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, faithfulness, all of that. And and if I keep up my relationship with Jesus, those fruit of the Spirit get filled to the brim in me, and they pour out on my husband. 
and I can be patient with him and I can be kind with him and gentle with him and just remembering those and just trying to walk in the fruit of the spirit with my husband. But I have to get that individual, that vertical relationship with Jesus down right myself first. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, it makes the overflow to my husband so much easier. Yeah, that's a really helpful point. We can go and read about the fruit of the Spirit, if you don't know about that, in the Bible, in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Thank you for sharing that. Chris, you just mentioned briefly there that Jamie's ankle was sore, so she couldn't go upstairs. Now, I know that's part of your story, that Jamie has had injury and then chronic pain. So, Chris, I'd really love to hear from you about how you support and love Jamie through the difficult days. Um, absolutely. It's that idea of, of an opportunity, almost kind of like what I was saying before, telling husband, you get to step up and be the hero of the situation. Well, I get to have an opportunity to serve and to show love through serving, you know, by stepping into finding what Jamie's needs are, and then trying to fulfill them the best I can. Now, I can't always do that in my own strength, because my own strength runs out. And so I absolutely need to be tied into a source that that doesn't run out, right? Tied into Jesus. And I need to take her to Jesus at times, especially when I'm at the end of myself and I don't know what to do except saying, hey, look, let me pray with you. Mm -hmm. Let me pray over you right now because I I know that this can be hard and can be trying. And, you know, Jesus knows that and God wants more for us. Yeah, he is so good at serving me through my pain. And I think that is a great point. You know, you take the pain points in your marriage and you shift them from being problems to being opportunities. Mm. Mm-hmm. They're opportunities to love. They're opportunities to show up like Jesus. They're opportunities to be sacrificial. Opportunities to be needed. Yes, yes. And so he is really good about that because there are some days where I am I'm a little bit harder to deal with because pain will do that. Chronic pain will, it does wear you down. And so he's so good about getting up and getting things that I need and going upstairs for me and just sitting there praying with me because he can't take away my pain, but he can bring me to the one who can. And he's so good about doing that. Mm, wow, Jamie, he can't take away my pain, but he can bring me to the one who can. And it doesn't matter what kind of relationships we live in. We can all live by that. We can't always take away someone else's pain, be that a heart pain or a physical pain, but we can take them to the one who can take away that pain. You also said that my strength runs out and we need <laughs> to see those moments as opportunities to be able to serve others with Jesus, in Jesus, through Jesus. What a great reminder for us all. Chris, you also said just now, when we had a house, are you homeless? Can you tell us about what's <laughs> happening through that? And also, I'd love to hear how God's revealing himself to you, because I know he's been showing you all kinds of things through this rather unusual journey. <laughs> it, it, it is unusual. Um, I guess you could say technically we are homeless. For about four months now, yeah. a little over four months. We are landowners, so I don't know <laughs> how you reconcile that. But... but they will not let us put a tent up. <laughs> so. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we... we had sold our house. Um, Mainly that was because I couldn't do the stairs anymore with my my mm -hmm. pain issues. And so we just went ahead and sold the house without having anywhere else to go quite yet. Right. And, you know, and and if you're planning ever to build a house, just a little quick tip, make sure you get everything lined up, set up, everything ready to go before you sell your house. Just it it, (laughs) it works out a little easier that way. So you've heard. (laughs) So I've heard. So I've heard. But, you know, we have clothes on the land. We have, you know, um, our builders getting permits and should be, you know, starting soon. 
and hopefully we'll um, have a house, you know, six to nine months. Yeah. But we chose while we're, you know, in this homeless period of our lives, we're just going to a big line of ours is to enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we set out to do. We're like, you know what, let's Airbnb hop. Let's travel the states. We've gone from Florida to Utah. We've gone to Colorado and Arizona, the Grand Canyon, all these places. And it has been super fun. But it's also been challenging. Mm -hmm. And it's not just all fun because living out of your suitcase is not all fun. Packing up your your car is not all fun. And for me, like I am very much a creature of habit. I like habit. I like routine. I like my chair that I read (laughs) a Bible in. I like the way things are set up for me. I like having my safe place, my, my security. That has all been ripped away from me. And so that has been, this whole season has been a huge time of growth for me because it goes entirely against my personality. I'm not one to just, oh, let's pick up and do something and run off. I'm a planner. Hey, let's drive from South Carolina to Utah. That'd yeah, that, that's not who have, I am. Yeah, four days. <laughs> yeah, and I think Chris has a little more flexibility with that. You know, he loves that kind of stuff. So for me, it's been learning how to still grow in the word and stay connected to God and, you know, even keep up with our, our business stuff and all of that while I'm completely out of my element. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that, you know, the God thing, well, we could have afford to do that because what we would have spent on rent and utilities and we're just able to spend on the airbnbs right mm-hmm. um and so it's kind of worked out but one god thing is we were able to spend the month with our daughter as she had our grandchild it's our second grandson third grandchild mm-hmm. but so we were able to be there for the birth and to be there a couple weeks after to kind of help with whatever she needed and or they needed uh, so that was a god thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah but it really has been a time of growth for us and so i've been a little more uncomfortable than he has but one thing we know god uses that stuff God mm-hmm. uses our discomfort. He uses our pain. He uses those darker, you know, stages of our lives. Those are all the catalysts and the platform that lead us back to hope. Mm-hmm. And just like every, you know, couple that comes to see us, they're coming because they're uncomfortable. They're coming because they're hurting. And God is so gracious to always use our pain as an opportunity for his goodness to enter in. Yeah, there's no pain that goes to waste in God's economy. Right, right. So God reveals himself even through pain. Isn't that beautiful? Thanks for talking about your grandchildren. I love seeing all the photos of your grandkids on social media. I know you adore them. As now seasoned grandparents, what sort of advice would you give to the grandparents who are listening on good ways to reveal God to grandchildren? Because they're kind of one step away from you. Yeah, it, it, because they're one step away, and probably because we're older and, and wiser. wiser, you know, <laughs> so patience is, comes a little easier, probably because we also exercised patience. We get good at what we practice, and so we mm-hmm. had a lot of time to practice patience and have a better insight for what's going on. So when they're doing something, we're, we're definitely are a lot less reactive than we may have been mm-hmm. if they're our, our, our own kids or if they were damaging our own stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 you know, 
But yeah, so being able to share, you know, God being able to speak with them, you know, by the the Bibles, the, the children's mm-hmm. Bibles, and, and read those with them. And, and yeah, it's a great opportunity because we all know if we've had kids, it's hard to be on all the time. And so as grandparents, True. we get to enter in and we get to give mom and dad a break. We get to give them space and time to invest in their own marriage, to go have a date night, to just even when they're home, to come over and sit on the couch and read books, you know, tell stories. We listen to a great podcast. It's called um, Donuts and Devos. It's for kids. And we'll listen to that when we take our kids in the car and we talk about the stories of the Bible and we share things and ask questions. And it's so good to give mom and dad a break. And we have all the opportunity in the world to invest the word of God into them. And that's that's just a fun double blessing of being a grandparent. Mm-hmm. And when they're, you know, messy or diaper changes or anything like that, you get to hand them right off. That's right. <laughs> that's right. In the name of Jesus, yeah. I will give you back your child. <laughs> to the glory of God. <laughs> that's helpful tips. Tell us, Chris and Jamie, how we can find you, where we can find you on social media, your podcast, your book. There's so much. How can we follow you? Okay, well, first of all, you can go to our website. That's going to have everything on there, which is expeditionmarriage.org. You can find us on Instagram, where we show up the most, and that's at expedition underscore marriage. And our book, you can grab it off our website or Amazon, Target, wherever you buy books at. It's the Newlywed Couples Devotional, and you can grab that from our website Mm -hmm. as well. We were at the end cap at Barnes & Noble, uh, one of the Barnes & Noble. That's right. That was a big moment for us. That was a big big moment. (laughs) Claim to fame. And I have to say, we are not newlywed. Gareth and I have been married for 25 years and we have absolutely loved this newlywed devotion. So if you're married, just get the devotion. It's been really good. Chris and Jamie, we have really loved having you on today. Thank you so much for joining us on God in the Ordinary. Thank you for it's having us. It's been such a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guests, the Baileys. If you want to find out more and continue to hear from Chris and Jamie, go to expeditionmarriage.org. The producer is Gary Dell, and this is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. Go to 61-things.com to tell us how you reveal God in the Ordinary.